So if you have a Bible with you this morning, the text is Psalm 23. A very familiar text for so many of us here. Let us read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Seeing that today is the second Sunday of December, we now turn to the theme of peace. And I will say that it is a vast understatement to note that our world is in desperate need of peace. And just last week, North Korea launched its most advanced missile to date, a new kind of intercontinental ballistic missile which they claim could reach the U.S. mainland. This past Wednesday, the House passed a bill that would make it easier for gun owners to legally carry concealed weapons across state lines, the first significant action in Congress since mass shootings in Nevada and Texas killed more than 80 people. With shootings now occurring in churches, it seems as if more and more people want to be armed. And a little bit more closer to home, I don't know if you know this, as rumors swirl as to whether or not marijuana actually reduces anxiety, the City Council of Los Angeles voted last week, actually this past week, to license sales of recreational marijuana beginning in 2018. And so as our nation slips further into what is now known as post-Christianity, we are also rapidly seeing the disappearance of peace. Will concealed weapons really solve the epidemic of mass shootings that are on the rise in America? It's not really a question of whether or not you believe in concealed carry. The question is that the only question I'm raising is will it solve the epidemic of mass shootings? I think we will see it continue to rise regardless of what we do with our gun control laws. Will the use of marijuana dissolve anxious thoughts within the mind? According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, roughly 40 million Americans over the age of 18 struggle with anxiety. That's about 18% of the U.S. population. 18% struggle with anxiety. Anxiety, in fact, is one of the most costliest and common psychological disorders of our time. All around us, People crave peace. They just don't know where to turn for it. Peace is quickly becoming a very rare commodity. 
I think it was on Monday I read the news that Chester Bennington's autopsy had been revealed. For those of you who don't know, Bennington was part of a new metal band called Lincoln Park, and they ruled the charts for almost two solid decades. And in July of this year, the singer died by suicide at the age of 41. Now, due to the autopsy results, it re- seems as if Bennington had alcohol in his system when he took his own life. Chester Bennington yearned for peace his entire life. You would see it in the lyrics that he wrote. He was sexually abused as a boy, and he was never able to overcome the trauma. And Bennington sought for peace and struggled with drugs and alcohol for years. The fame and the music just couldn't quench his thirst for peace. For short stretches of time, the substances would drown out his misery. And when asked for the lyrics for one particular song, Bennington explained his lyrics this way. Quote, there's a pattern of thoughts. There's this compulsion, this obsessive thing that happens in my brain, and I can't get out of it. And that leads to a lie. And that leads to isolation And that leads to all these other things that mess with my life, end quote. This was a man who craved peace. The question is, what about you? Do you have peace in your workplace? Are you sitting here today thinking, oh, tomorrow's Monday, and just don't have peace there? What about in your marriage? Do you have peace in your marriage? Do you have peace within yourself? It is impossible to have peace with others if there's no peace within. And most importantly, do you have peace with God? The Bible says there's only one way to have peace with God, and that is through Jesus Christ. Hundreds of years before his birth, the prophet Isaiah identified Jesus as the Prince of Peace. And throughout the centuries, many men and women, both great and small, have found peace through Christ, the healer who brings genuine peace into our hearts. Now, perhaps you've professed Christ, but you still lack peace because you're living in some form of sin. Sin has a tendency to do that, you know. Sin will rob you of your peace. I urge you to forsake sin and turn to Christ. He wants to give rest to your weary soul. There's an old hymn that I used to sing as a kid, and the first two lines went like this. Have you longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase? And have earnestly, fervently prayed. But you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid. That song is making a point that there is no peace unless one submits every facet of life to the Lordship of Christ. You might not be in drugs and alcohol, but until you submit every facet of life to the Lordship of Christ, peace will evade you. It must all be laid on the altar. It is not enough to call Him your Savior. Christ must be your Lord. Obedience to Christ and the pursuit of righteousness are natural fruits of following Christ. 
And as we look at this famous text today in Psalm 23, verse 3 states that God will lead us, yes, to peace, but through paths of righteousness. Some of us desire peace, but we don't want anything to do with the path of righteousness. And I'm going to tell you this morning that you will never have peace outside of righteousness. If you've lived apart from God's law, if you've lived in disobedience to God's law for any amount of time, you know the truth of what I'm saying. There is no peace found in rebellion against God. It started with Adam and Eve, and I can tell you right now, there is none today. And He leads you in paths of righteousness to peace because His name is on the line. His name is on the line. And I would say that true, true peace begins with us believing in the gospel. Humanity has vainly searched for peace in very different, all over the world we have searched for peace in very different places, in religion, in relationships, in promotions at work. And we go back to the garden, in obedience to God, we see that Adam had peace. In rebellion against God, Adam lost his peace. And the entire Bible follows as a result. The same is true today. So much of social and familial dysfunctions are correctable if people would simply begin living by the power of God's Word. The Gospel is the power of God unto salvation, and faith in it is the means by which we attain peace in God. It is peace with God that brings about peace in other areas of life. And until you get into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you could pay for the costliest psychotherapy sessions, but peace will always be beyond your grasp. Do you have peace this morning? And although it sounds old for some of you raised in the church, I know of no other answer than this. Peace is found through faith in the gospel of Christ. Now, what is the gospel? Very simple. Number one, it teaches that God is holy, righteous, and just. And that though He loves you, He is a God of perfect justice. Second, we are all sinners in need of a Savior. We sin daily. There is not a day we live that we don't sin. But the Bible tells us that we're born in sin. That through Adam, all have sinned. And in that sense, we sin not because, not because this, there's this um, decision that we naturally tend to make over and over again. We sin because that's our nature. We sin because that's who we were born to be. We were born sinners. And that sadly makes us guilty before God. But the good news is that Jesus Christ, who was fully God and fully man, lived a sinless life and died on the cross for your sins. Three days later, He historically resurrected from the grave so that if you would repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord God and Savior, you will have eternal life. That right there is the Gospel. And faith in that Gospel is the beginning of peace. It is not merely the starting point. I'm I'm sorry. It is not merely some sort of Endpoint in terms of eternal destiny. Faith in the gospel is the starting point for your peace on earth. 
The only way you will attain peace on earth is by first start, starting with faith in the gospel. Christians all over the world have turned to the 23rd Psalm for comfort and peace. In fact, the chapter's fame single-handedly demonstrates humanity's strong desire for peace. The chapter is actually a hymn, and it evokes strong feelings of peace and tranquility. Many of you have turned to this psalm for peace at various points in your own life. And today's central theological principle is quite straightforward. True peace begins when you make the Lord your shepherd. True peace begins when you make the Lord your shepherd. And maybe you missed this, but this entire chapter hinges on that very first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. If you want your life and you want to live it your own way, then the 23rd Psalm is not for you. You see, unless the Lord is your shepherd... Unless you gain, give him control over your life, the rest of the chapter and its beautiful, peaceful promises are not applicable for you. The author makes it abundantly clear that God as shepherd is the one true guide to peace. Sure, you could do it your own way, but have fun with that. The results would be disastrous. As shepherd, God plays Four key roles for you. As we see in this chapter, He loves you. He provides for you. He leads you. And He protects you. And who wouldn't want any of those things in our world today? Wanting, the word that you see in that first verse, is a reference to lack. If the Lord is your shepherd, you will not lack any necessity. That is a promise from the Word of God. This is not a promise that God will make you rich. Instead, it is God's promise to take care of you and provide for you. It is essentially echoed in Matthew 6 by Christ Himself. Listen to this. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? <clears throat> Therefore do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, in other words, unbelievers, seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. There we see that word again. And all these things will be added to you. That's a promise from the mouth of Christ Himself, the faithful shepherd. Fundamentally, therefore, where does our anxiety come from? Fundamentally, anxiety is our distrust in God. It should trigger something in your mind. Whenever you find yourself being anxious, ask yourself the question, am I trusting in my Savior right now? Because fundamentally, anxiety is our distrust in God. It is us foolishly worrying about doing God's job. We're trying to do God's job. How silly would it be for 
an eight-year-old child to quit school, pick up a job at, say, Burger King, in order to pay the family's mortgage, meals, and car payments. Not only would she not be able to adequately work at her job, because she, her capacities wouldn't even allow her to probably even reach the microwave to put those whoppers in there. But her paycheck would only be an insignificant drop in the bucket. Likewise, in this complexity that we call life, we can't do a single thing really about most of the things that we spend our time worrying about. And for some of us, just when we think that we have our lives all figured out, that's when cancer is diagnosed, or a loved one suddenly dies, or a child is born with life-altering disabilities. I've seen this time and time again. Friends, our job as sheep is to simply trust in our Heavenly Father who longs to see us at peace. For any of you who, who's a parent, you don't want to see your children anxious. It's often a reflection of your own parenting. And so God is the same way. God is the good shepherd. He leads us to peaceful green pastures and still waters. And when we are tired out by the world, verse 3 states that He is the one who restores our souls and restores us to vitality and strength. This restoration is necessary because, look at this, in verse 4, the writer acknowledges that life will get difficult at times. He's a realist. He understands that there will be valleys, valleys sometimes so deep and so terrible that he calls it a valley of the shadow of death. Some of us in this sanctuary have walked through such valleys before. And this doesn't catch the Lord by surprise. He knows what we're going through. However, the Christian, listen carefully, the Christian is able to maintain his peace in the midst of such turbulence by remembering that even the valley of the shadow of death is both ordained by God and that God's presence is promised. How do you get through such terrible times? By remembering that God is with you. I want you to think about the incident when Jesus fell asleep on the boat. The waves were high. The disciples were afraid that they were all about to drown. And yet, when they wake Jesus up, who was sleeping in the midst of the storm, I guarantee you Jesus knew that it was going to storm. Yet he still fell asleep. He calms the storm and Jesus then rebukes his disciples And you would have been surprised. You would have said, of course they're going to be filled with anxiety, Lord. But then when you think about it, at that point, after all those miracles, the disciples should have known better. The boat wasn't ever going to sink as long as Jesus was with them in that boat. And so it is with our lives. As long as Christ is in our lives, we're going to safely make it to the other side. Amen? He is with us. 
And so I close with this this morning. What really is the source of Christian peace? Although the 23rd Psalm talks a lot about green pastures and still waters, and some of you are maybe thinking about transferring jobs and you're thinking maybe that base, yeah, green pastures. And often the grass is not greener on the other side, is it? And although the psalmist does talk a lot about green pastures and still waters, the goal is not to convey belief that peace is found when one lives in the right zip code. That's not the goal of this chapter. Beautiful homes and expensive beds could all be bought with money, but both peace and a good night's sleep are are gifts from God. And although the 23rd Psalm talks about an overflowing cup and a feast in the presence of our enemies, its goal is not to convey the belief that peace is found through the abundance of possessions or through the subjugation of one's enemies. Instead, the 23rd Psalm wishes to convey the belief that both through good times and bad, the Christian is able to have rock-solid peace because of his knowledge that God is with him. The best thing that you can leave here this morning with, more valuable than anything that this world offers, is the knowledge that God is with you because of your faith in Jesus. That is precious. In a crazy world searching for peace, You have it. And it was Augustine who said it best when he said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. God is with us. And indeed, that's what Christmas is all about. It's about a peace-craving human race Finally receiving peace because God has come to be with us. Matthew one twenty three puts it this way. Behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which means, you know, God with us. He has come to give us peace. And that peace is only available when he is with us. The 23rd Psalm reminds us that whether it's lush green pastures or a valley of death, both are in that chapter. God is there with us. So it's not so much, peace isn't so much found in the, the, uh, whether or not our surroundings are idyllic, but peace is found with the presence of God. After starting with the notion of God being our shepherd, Notice that the psalmist once again returns and ends the chapter with a joyous declaration that he has the ability to access the house of God forever. Do you see that in this chapter? He starts with God as shepherd and he ends with the ability to access the house of God forever. For him, the psalmist understands that the very notion of constantly being with God it induces the highest level of joy and peace in his life. The psalmist was not a Levite. 
Yet he was granted full access to God's house, the same way all of you are now through Christ. The the veil has been torn. Through Christ, you have full access to God, 24-7. And that is what should give you peace. That you get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord who is your shepherd. What joy to know that even if we're walking through difficulties in the valley of the shadow of death, loved ones getting sick, our own bodies becoming frail, God is also there with us. What tranquility in knowing that He hears our prayers and grants us constant access to His throne room as a loving father would do to a child. He will never turn you away. He will never say, close the door, I'm too busy. My hope is that you will leave here knowing that the peace which you desperately crave this morning is found solely in and through Jesus Christ. It will not come through man-made religion, psychotherapy, or drugs. True peace, no matter what Dr. Phil tells you, is only found in a deep relationship with God. Or as the Oxford professor, who was once an atheist, turned apologist, C.S. Lewis once said, God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. There isn't. So as we approach Christmas, understand the magnitude of what occurred in that manger 2,000 years ago. In that famous stable, God, through Jesus Christ, finally gave us the precious gift of peace. So may goodness and mercy now follow you all the days of your life. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. Prince of Peace, we thank you.